0: Friendship comes in so many forms and it's fluid and it changes. So one person that's strong enough to be the one that goes with you to the emergency room, that same person may, at a different point in time, may not have the capacity to do that. So we have to understand that everybody's flowing and expanding and contracting. It is life. Hello and welcome to Also in
1: Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design, how we live, the clothes we choose, and how we organize our space. I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, a certified Conmari consultant and personal stylist. I'm here to guide you on your journey to live a happy, fulfilled life. Every Tuesday, you'll get new insight on what it means to live well, plus actionable tips. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. Our guest today is Fawn Anderson. Fawn is a humanitarian-focused photographer and founder of Our Friendly World, a social movement and podcast that is for the healing of social, economic, and racial injustice through the art of friendship. This episode is all about connection, from how to take engaging portraits that honor your subject to embracing friendship in its many forms. By the end, you may want to take up martial arts and even try bending spoons with your mind. Fawn, welcome. How much fun is this? I'm so delighted to have you on the show.
0: I love you so much. You are a genius. And for me, love at first sight when we met. Oh. I love you. And you are so beautiful, such a genius your podcast is amazing. You're so talented.
1: (laughs) I appreciate that so much, Fawn. And yes, and we met through the podcasting world. So we started our podcast around the same time last year, already eight months ago, eight uh, whirlwind months. And Fawn, you're such a magnetic person and really draw people to you. So in the group calls that we've been on with other podcasters, you have this amazing ability to diffuse any awkwardness. And then you say exactly what's on your mind in a very heartfelt, wonderful way.
0: It's funny because it has great advantages. I don't like to hide anything. Even if I try, it doesn't work. I can't hide it. You'll see it on my face or something will happen. I don't know. (laughs) We always laugh because I'm like, that's why I get fired from so many corporate jobs. You know, when I see some stupid stuff going on, I can't, <laughs> it's all over me. I can't participate.
1: But that's also the beauty of podcasting. Uh, unless, of course, it comes across in your voice. Trust me. <laughs> you have experience then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. It's so funny because when you edit your own podcasts, and you re-listen to everything, you do notice the fluctuation in people's tones. You know, I always get into fights with Matt over tone. I'm like, I don't like your tone right now. What tone are you talking about? He says, you know, (laughs) and we go back and forth. And then I start to doubt myself, like maybe there isn't a tone. But then when I listen back to the podcast we do, I'm like, there, 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 and there. And it'll be days later and I'll like storm into the bedroom and be all mad at him all over again. He has no idea where it's coming from. (laughs) I can prove to you the tone. Come listen to this.
1: (laughs) You know, that's something a lot of couples are missing, I think, is uh, recording their conversations. And then you do have proof, which is powerful and potentially dangerous, I imagine, too.
0: (laughs) You know what? It's all good, actually. It's helped us quite a bit. Our podcast has nothing to do with marriage, really, but it has helped our marriage so much. It has been a great therapist, this Mike.
1: That's fantastic. And so your background is in photography, in architectural, humanitarian photography and from your experiences traveling the world and photographing the people you meet, I love how you created a global family photo album. What did this global family teach you about how we interact with one another?
0: At first I didn't know what was happening. I just was in love with people from the very beginning. I was always watching people when I was a baby and I didn't obviously have a camera, but I was really struck by still moments One instant would be just frozen in time for me forever. And so as I got older and I picked up a camera, I started to really look at animals and I noticed that animals would stop everything for me and pose. When I was a kid in Southern California, we went to SeaWorld and I went close to these sea lions and I swear to you, Alex, they stopped everything and they would strike a pose and they would hold it forever. I had like not a normal camera. I had to like set everything up and they just posed. And I'm like, are you serious right now? And not only did they wait for the shutter to be released, they waited for me to be done. And they somehow sensed it. I'm talking about the sea lions, cats, dogs, birds. It was wild. There was some connection happening. But as I got older and the more photo shoots I went on, I realized I'm pursuing family. And first it was beauty. I was pursuing beauty because no one could take a good picture of me and it bothered me. So I never wanted to be in front of the camera. And because I was so shocked at how bad photos of me were because I didn't think that I looked ugly or anything. But when people took pictures of me, it was hideous. It was like, oh my God, do I really look like this? Is this how you all see me? And I noticed that it's because people don't pay attention to what they're looking at. And if you're not consciously aware of who or what you're photographing, if you're not connecting with them on a soul level or on a deep level, you're just going to pick up some randomness. And I feel like that's what people did with me and it really bothered me. And I was always in pursuit of beauty and I grew up around Hollywood, the kind of beauty that most people or the industry reveres is not for me. And it's usually people that are not white, right? Like people don't know how to light black people. And if you look at most movies, it will always ruin everything for me if a darker person is not lit well. Because immediately I'm like, ah, that's prejudice right there. Obviously they weren't conscious enough or compassionate enough or loving enough to light this person properly. I can't even see the texture of their skin. Like it's just dark. And so that's what moved me to really pursue portraits of people from around the world. When I went back home to Santa Monica and I was going through all of my work from over the years, and I was going from one image after another. I was just looking and I realized, oh my God, every single person that I photographed, I had a total bond with. And it was like I realized I was searching the planet for my family, like my spirit family. And so that's how the book came about. Because as I was sitting there in my studio, just looking at my work, I realized, oh my God, this is my family. It's not just mine it's a collective family that we all belong to. And I thought, oh my God, I think that's the message. So let me just put it all together. It happened so quick. I'm not a fast reader, but in just a very short amount of time, ended up researching all the world's religions. And then not only that, I looked into all the mystics and poets and scientists that throughout time have said the most amazing extraordinary things that really is about connection it's about energy and connection
1: I think that's such a powerful message about connection and really seeing your subjects and taking that time to make that connection with them which as you mentioned the animals seem to respond to that and did you find people as well were they very patient and sort of having this moment with you
0: With people, we recognize each other from miles away. I'm not kidding. From miles away in a crowd, basically. We spot each other out and we come together, much like old friends that finally see each other again. And really the pictures, I don't do any setup. It just happens within a few seconds.
1: And through your podcast, Our Friendly World, your mission is to create a platform for social change through the Art of Friendship. So, what does friendship mean to you?
0: Friendship is family, and friendship to me is holding hands, spiritually or physically. And it's about being stronger and being brave and being happy. I feel like when you have a friend by your side, you're much braver. You're willing to stand up for what's right. You feel More optimistic about life. Everyone has challenges. Everyone is bound to go through some sort of trauma in their lives. When you have someone by your side, you are just stronger together. And that's why I think the art of friendship that has been lost, I look at it as like there's something fundamentally wrong with our society right now. And I wonder if it was set up in a way to make people not have that bond anymore. Because when you do have that bond, everything changes. You're not willing to put up with the injustices that you see. Because it's not just you that's standing there. And sometimes you think it's my imagination. But if you have a witness by you, you're like, whoa, you saw that too? Or we're stronger together. So I feel stronger. I feel not afraid to speak my mind. I'm not afraid to Create some change that needs to happen. I'm not afraid to maybe try to rectify a situation. The art of friendship has been lost, and I'm here to bring it back. It goes beyond the pandemic. I've been saying this for years. I've been watching it for years, and especially in the United States, but I think it's spreading around the world where work has taken over and we're working way more, and yet people are not wealthier. And if you look at people's relationships, really people aren't hanging out with friends anymore. And more, this is in the United States. I don't want other countries to feel like this is everywhere, but it is spreading this thought where you're just working and work has taken over. We don't hang out with friends anymore and we don't hang out with family anymore. And if we can bring back the art of friendship and really treat it as an art, From the way we dress to the way we entertain to the way we eat, the way we treat ourselves. And then once we are good with ourselves, the way we treat others, once we're fed enough on our own, then we can feed other people. Then we have the capacity to be there for someone else. That is the art of friendship. And that is the whole premise of the social movement that I started with our friendly world, is that. And that includes all kinds of conversations, Alex. It's not just friendship, let's go out for coffee. Everything in life that we experience. And so that's what we always talk about, is let's discuss everything that's on your mind, that's in your heart.
1: I think that's such a beautiful idea, that idea of having a social movement that helps people see that the art of friendship compassion and community and you talked a bit about friendship beginning with your relationship with yourself how do you start becoming a good friend both to yourself and to other people
0: sitting still once you can love everything about the miracle that is actually you then you can see it everywhere else on the planet you know why would you want to hurt anyone else If you see how precious life is and also going back to beauty and not looking at what one person's concept of beauty is, but appreciating yourself and seeing nobody has my hair the way my hair is, or nobody has my particular shape. Nobody has my particular thumbprint and I love it. Once you love that, you love everything else. And that's the key. And that's the compassion. You will start to have compassion because you realize how precious it is.
1: You strike me as such a compassionate person who cares so deeply for others that I wonder if you struggle to take care of yourself or be that friend to
0: yourself that you were talking about. I walk around most of the time, I think, being with other people, emotionally, psychically. Most of the time, I'm probably not even in my own body, which is why I loved the martial arts because you better be in your body. Otherwise, you're smacked down on the ground. You're over. (laughs) You have to be in the present at all times. I miss that. Thank you for reminding me.
1: Sure. So what's one thing you could do then to be more in the present?
0: Breathe. Breathing exercises, like box breathing, being aware of how many seconds you're breathing in through your nose, holding it for a while and being in that stillness, and then slowly letting it out longer than you let it in. But yeah, it all comes to breath, no matter what you're going through. If you focus everything back on that breath, it is a metaphysical thing too, because All of everything, all the magic happens in the in-between. Like even if you look at DNA or if you look at cells, everything is energetic. Everything is light. Everything is electricity. And nothing is concrete. A chair is really not concrete. If you look through a microscope and break things down, the magic always happens within that in-between space where there's space where you think there's nothing and that nothingness is where it all is. And I think breath brings you back to that. So sending breath, breathing, all of that will not only have you in the present moment, but being in that present moment, I think you'll have access to all the universes and everything in between at the same time you're present. Do you know what I mean? You're present here and everywhere at the same time. And That's, once again, that's martial arts training right there. It's not totally hocus pocus, woo woo. Breathing is key. Breathing is a life force. It's vital energy. The best part of martial arts training is actually the inner training, the mind, and how you deal with people, how you relate to people, and how you relate to everything in your life. It's all energetic and how you maneuver. It's a dance. And so it's not all about chopping something to pieces or you know getting someone in a wrist lock and you know it's way more than that. It's a spiritual thing. It's amazing. I think if everyone studied martial arts, there would be so much compassion and peace in the world, honestly.
1: That's fascinating. I've myself I've done a little bit of Tai Chi. Ben and I did that together and some qi gong and there is something magical about doing the form or doing something all at the same time. And with the Qigong, especially, I, I only did that once really, it was a sort of special session, but you could feel that tingling, that kind of energy moving in your body.
0: Absolutely, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I think so.
1: And during this unusual time we've had with the pandemic, despite being isolated at home this past year, how has your world
0: expanded? I have made more friends within the pandemic than I have since I left Santa Monica. On our show, we always talk about Santa Monica because Santa Monica, the city, was my mentor for creating the social movement. Because being in LA, the last place you would think of a community of friends and where there are no isms, right? There is no ageism racism, none of that, no sexism. It was like living in a village 800 years ago in Italy. We all ate together, played together. I learned so many lessons on friendship. And so when we left, I realized, wow, Santa Monica was indeed a mentor who really taught me the utopia, the way society can be. So since I left Santa Monica, the reason why this whole social movement began was because I noticed that things were happening on a faster scale. And that's when I started to really talk to people about the friendship movement and the loneliness epidemic that was occurring. And I know in the UK and Canada, they were treating it seriously. They have the government on it because they see it's a disease. It's a social disease and it's going to hurt everything. And so I was talking about that. No one was taking me seriously, especially here in the United States. No one wanted to admit, you know, perhaps they don't have friends the way they thought they did. And I'm like, well, look at the shows on TV. Why are all these shows so successful? The friends, you know, like Sex and the City. It's not about the sex. It's about going to brunch with your friends. I'm like, when was the last time you saw people walking hand in hand or arm in arm as friends like that? Really? it was hard for people to understand or like to even admit to. And like even shows like Big Bang Theory, that kind of friendship was just on TV now. Like I didn't see it happening. And I was looking, I was interviewing people, I was looking everywhere for it. And when the pandemic happened, I found it very interesting because for the first time, people were admitting that they were lonely, but only because the factor was, It was not my fault. It's the pandemic. I'm lonely. But really, it was here before the pandemic. And so what I'm trying to get across to people is, we're going to come out of this. We are coming out of this. But be honest with yourself. How often did you really hang out with people? And really take a look at what is a relationship rather than an acquaintance that you're just nodding your head to out on the street.
1: Yes. And do you think there's room for all degrees, though? There are all degrees and kinds of friendship from those people in your life that you share your innermost thoughts and hopes and dreams with to people you have a friendly chat with on occasion or maybe even someone you smile at in passing who you might not see again.
0: Absolutely. Everyone has a different job within the friendship. One friend may be able to handle this with you At this particular time, this other friend may be for pure laughter only at this time. And we all take turns and not everybody is supposed to be this savior or like this thing that you want the friend to be. Friendship comes in so many forms and it's fluid and it changes. So one person that's strong enough to be the one that goes with you to the emergency room, that same person may at a different point in time may not have the capacity to do that. So we have to understand that everybody's flowing and expanding and contracting. It is life. And you can't expect this one person to be the static, this is this person for this in your life. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yes, I absolutely love that approach to friendship, both a healthy and helpful way of looking at it. And something I've noticed in the past as well People I'd call close friends from childhood or college and years might go by and they're people who have great meaning in my life, but I don't necessarily see or communicate with them and then they'll reappear at another time and I feel like we can instantly pick something
0: up that we had at that moment. There's a poem by Maya Angelou and she talks about being in and out of time. We've known each other in and out of time. And there are some connections that you have. Actually, all of us, really. All of us. It it depends on our particular framework and our particular experience in life at the moment where we can see it or not see it. With everyone, like with you, I have known you in and out of time. You just have to really put yourself out of a situation and really see just... See a person, I always talk about it like this because I love the television. I love watching movies. Oh
1: my gosh, yes, join the club.
0: (laughs) (laughs) By the way, thank you for all the great recommendations. Here's my trick for connecting to people. It's one of my tricks. Pretend you're watching TV and everything is shown to you for a reason. So there's a director that has told this actor, okay, I want you to have an eye twitch here at this particular split second. And there's meaning behind that. So pretend you're watching a show and like think, wow, this person just made this move. Don't put yourself in it. Pretend you're watching a movie. And it's amazing what you pick up. Oh,
1: that's such a wonderful way of looking at it. And it's like joining people where they are instead of imposing yourself on the situation. You sort of see it and meet them and deliver something that helps.
0: The world is your home and everyone in it is your guest. So you could be walking down the street. You don't own the street, but it's your home. And even if you meet someone you've never met before, that person is your guest. Treat them as a guest in your home. Make them comfortable. You are the host. And if everyone did that, we would live in a completely different world right now.
1: That's the solution, really, isn't it? It sounds simple, but I 100% believe in that, too.
0: It works with not only our friendships and our marriages, whatever, all the relationships. It should work in business. You are here to offer a service to someone. I don't care what kind of business you're in. Oil, baking bread, being an accountant. You're here to serve someone. You're here to make their lives better. That is your service. And that's what you're being paid for. And I think that a lot of greed and bad things can come in the way of that. And we forget that we are here to take care of one another.
1: That's so beautifully put. So what's your earliest memory that represented friendship to you?
0: That's a great question. Oh, my God. So we moved to the United States. My family moved when I was six months old. And so for the first few years of my life, I had to straddle like really straddle two different cultures. So we would go and be in this one country that was on the brink of like major revolution and war. And then we'd come back here. So this was in Iran and I was in first grade and I went to an English school, so English, English, like from England, right? It was so hard to be there. And so there was a lot of like angst and stuff happening at home. So I had a lot of issues. And so I was quiet and I walked into the school and there was a girl there who everyone picked on and they called her witch. She was really, really skinny, really short. And I was short too. I became friends with her. And everyone who was mean to this girl, they wouldn't dare be mean to me because I would beat them up. I was little myself. I was scrappy, but don't mess with me. But what we would do is we would come together, much like how I, I described photographing someone, like you see them from far away and you recognize one another. So that's how we came together. And we would lock arms. And before school and during recess, we would just walk across the schoolyard. And it was like the Red Sea parting. People just, they parted. And they knew if they were to say anything to this girl with me there with her, that they would get a licking. But she was a comfort to me. And I feel like when we walked the schoolyard together, because we were together, like we were this force that was So powerful, you couldn't touch us with your hatred. And so the fear that I felt coming into this country and not wanting to speak and going from one language to another, she was my safety net and I was hers. The way we would lock arms and walk, that was the first time I felt what friendship does for you. You are powerful. I mean, when I say the seas parted, the schoolyard, all these mean kids, all these crazy kids, they had respect and they got out of our way (laughs) and we were two tiny tiny skinny little girls you know I wasn't skinny like she was but boy we were a huge force that was the first time I really remember teaming up with someone like that wow like what friendship can do
1: that is amazing that really does represent the power of friendship that's a beautiful story Imagine if you lived the life you really want. You know, your dream life. Have you ever taken time to picture what it would look like? I mean, what it would really look like? We're not talking about the life you feel you should have, but deep down, the life you secretly want. Your ideal life. Maybe you already have a vision. You wake up after a good night's sleep on the most comfortable mattress ever, with pillows that support your head just the way you like. You go to your organized closet and choose colorful, unique clothes that fit you and make you feel good. Then pad through a clean, warm, uncluttered home to the kitchen. Your refrigerator offers up the most delicious, healthy options for breakfast. And you have a day of unstructured time stretching ahead of you to do with as you like. But that's never going to happen, right? Hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to take a step back, sweep aside all your worries, and imagine that's where I come in? I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, and I've developed an exclusive questionnaire for the Also in Pink community to help you create a vision of your ideal life. Simply join the Pink email list and you'll get instant access to our Ideal Lifestyle Vision questionnaire. Go on then. Make a cup of your favorite tea or whatever floats your boat. Go to AllSonePink.com and click Start Now. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. So let's talk a bit about style. And you recently told me about a time at the hair salon when you gave your hairstylist free reign to just go for it. And I think that's rather wonderful. Do you want to tell us a bit about that?
0: So I grew up with my mother chopping my hair off and it looked horrible for years. Like it was just ridiculous. And so when I was about to graduate from high school, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let it grow now. So most of my life, my hair was to my tailbone and it was long and luxurious. It was like my power. It had meaning, you know, for me. And so for years, I had long, long, long hair and being a yogi too, like a yoga person. I fit that mold. I looked like the typical Indian person. Totally, it became my identity, the hair. And so I had a huge clash with this yoga school that I was in. And they broke my heart. These people ended up being the most unconscious, racist people. Because I was heartbroken, I was talking to another friend who's not in the yoga community. And she's like, have you ever thought about going to a hairdresser and like just getting a new look, cut everything off, cut off the past, all of that. I'm like, no, the way she described this hairdresser, I was in love. I was like, okay. Cause She was like, this person will look at your soul and figure out who you are and have you come out as the movie star that you are. That's what she does. She styles for like famous people. So the whole time I'm sitting in her chair, I'm not looking in the mirror. She said, okay, don't look. And I was there for hours and I kept feeling my head being pulled here and there And I didn't know what was happening. It wasn't like she just cut off my hair. It was happening over a course of like four hours. And we were talking about everything in life. And she's like, okay, stand up. She was going to color my hair. And so I stood up and I looked, not in the mirror, but I looked on the ground and I have a picture of this. It looks like a human being on the floor. Like it had taken the shape of a woman from head to toe this entire studio, like my hair was everywhere. And I was like, okay, I didn't say anything. So we go to the sink. She's coloring my hair now. I'm like, how short is it now, by the way? She's like, I would say a good half inch. I'm like, half inch? Oh my God. And I tried not to panic. And there was something about her that didn't make me panic. Anyway, long story short, I come out with A punk hairdo, pink, pink streaks. And I was in the car. I drove to a Whole Foods parking lot and I sat there for another 30 minutes, afraid to go home. I felt like a child that had gone way past curfew and was afraid to get yelled at or afraid to deal with whatever would happen at home from what you just did. I was scared and I was on the phone with my friends. And so my friends called Matt and talked to the kids, and said, look, you know, Fawn, her hair is totally different now, and she's scared to come home, so please be kind, so I knock on the door, and my friend, who, by the way, called the family to let them know what was up, she's like, Fawn, make sure you take video, like, turn on your phone, and shoot the video of the reaction you get, so I opened the door, and, you know, my daughter, Al, my firstborn, she was like, wow, wow," and then my little one, looked at me and ran away and didn't talk to me for two weeks. And I thought I would cry. And I looked at myself. I'm like, oh, I look so beautiful. I love it. Oh, my God. It changed everything and also made me shed my past. Like all that energy in the hair, all that memory. It was like off with you. And when I ran into these yoga bees, I call them bees because I don't want to use a bad word. I ran into them here and there I felt so powerful, like, get away from me, Like, get out of here. It was incredibly freeing. I was free.
1: That's wonderful. And style and how you present yourself does have the power to do that, I
0: think. Absolutely. What you put on your body or the way you carry yourself or, you know, what color you choose to put on or what sweater you use, it makes a big difference. It is a huge form of not only expression, but a way to connect with one another.
1: It absolutely is. And we had that fun session together since you reviewed my podcast and got picked for the special Ask Alexandria slot.
0: I could not believe my good fortune.
1: (laughs) That was so much fun. So we had our one-to-one styling session. I offer people 20 minutes if they get chosen for the monthly review spotlight and yeah, it was super fun chatting with you and we mostly spoke about style so do you remember any highlights from that session
0: i was crying because i'm like i'm a mom and all i care about is cleaning the toilet and making sure everyone's taken care of and i'm cooking in the house is a certain way i've been wearing the same clothes for the last 15 years most of them have holes in them I'm like, you wouldn't look at me and think this was a fashion person, but I am at my core. (laughs) And so I got so excited about finding something or making something to jazz it up, you know, to jazz up my spirit again.
1: Yes, exactly. Jazz up your spirit. I love that. I think you should trademark it. (laughs)
0: And I also remember telling you, I had this prophecy. I'm like, I bet you we're going to come out of the pandemic and gloves are going to be in fashion. (laughs) I don't want to go out there without a glove. Those evening gloves and you can wear your jewelry on top, (laughs) like a ring.
1: And then what do you do? Do you take the whole thing off then when you go somewhere and have a meal? Or do you just leave it on until you get home
0: and wash it? I have to go back to all the movies that I love from way back when and see how they did it. And back then, it's not like they went to the food truck and like had a juicy hamburger. You know what I mean? Like everything was so sophisticated. Everything was just beautiful.
1: So in your perfect world, how would you present yourself then?
0: I would go to the grocery store with an evening gown. And you know, you're like, hee hee. To yourself. And I used to kind of dress like that. I wouldn't wear a ball gown, but I would totally wear something that was just so flamboyant and it would make other people happy. Women would come up to me and go, oh my God, I love that. (laughs) Like, yeah, right? And honestly, it was just a torn piece of fabric that I had around my shoulders, but it was bright and beautiful. It was ceremonial. It had pizzazz. It had life to it.
1: Absolutely. Pizzazz. And along those lines, do you have a vision for what your ideal life looks like?
0: Oh, I have spent so long dreaming and trying to create my ideal life. And I got to be honest, I'm like a little down in the dumps right now. I'm like, I can't imagine it. It's hard for me to say right now. When you're in the thick of things, I wish I had a ball gown. You know, I wish I could do something like that. I wish I had the energy and the funds, the means to be able to joke around like that, to wear amazing things and to walk somewhere amazing, even not amazing, an amazing place, like an ordinary place doing something extraordinary. But I can't give you an exact what that looks like. I don't know. I think I'm in the midst of creation And it's quite frustrating because the vision isn't concrete. It hasn't formed completely.
1: Yeah, that's an exciting place to be in too. I think you have the big P, the big possibility.
0: I would need your help, Alex. Please, can I come to you and you help me out here with the vision?
1: Yes, absolutely. So at the moment, just going a little bit into this, do you find it difficult to separate what you feel is possible or what you feel your life is like from what you want. Is it hard to make that leap without all of the perhaps limitations you might put on that vision?
0: I'm hearing you use the word limitation and I'm like, ding, 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 ding. ding, And it's weird because I never lived like that before, but here is limitation. It has a hold on me. And it could also be because I feel like I can't make decisions because I have to consider other people in every decision I make, you know? And I love it. I'm grateful for that. But like considering my two daughters and considering Matt. So like if I could imagine my dream house, I'm like, well, I would have to involve what they would want, not just what I would want.
1: Yeah, I completely understand that. But I think it's helpful even if you only see it as an exercise to try to tap into really what you want. And in my Ideal Lifestyle Vision quiz, I try to help people through that a bit and cast aside these limitations before kind of cutting that balloon and letting your mind drift and not thinking what you feel other people would want you to do or what they need from you, but just if you can work in that in-between space and try to conjure something. So in the meantime then, What's a daily habit or ritual that brings you joy?
0: A cup of tea, cardamom and rose water, and a little bit of maple syrup. I make it extremely hot, so I can't drink it right away because you know my history with drinking tea really fast. So I lived in England for two years. The tea is consistently amazing and the same, no matter what household, no matter what store, what restaurant you go to, it's always the same brilliant perfection. And it's not like in the US where you get a bucket, like a drink, like it's in a bucket. It's huge. It's in a normal size cup and it's so perfectly creamy and sweet for you. Like you don't have to put stuff in it yourself. And I would take one sip and it was like Being a baby with a baby bottle, like you're trying to suck as much as you can, like really fast and you're really hungry. It was so delicious. And then I would have another one right away and another one and another one and another one. And it's the same in India too, by the way, when I traveled in India, it's always the same beautiful consistency and it's made for you. It's creamy, it's sweet, perfection. And you go to um, coffee shops and they're like, oh, do you want a chai? Or I'm like, yeah. And I remember the first time chai started coming in here in the United States years ago. I was so excited because I was expecting chai. I'm like, oh. And I thought, well, maybe this other place. And after like, I don't know how many years now, it's never the same. So I miss your tea. And now I'm vegan. So God knows if you guys can do that same thing with a vegan oh. version oat milk is wonderful I think it's so creamy I'm curious to come back and see how things are but boy every time I see a cup of tea I just like I get angry and happy at the same time (laughs) Tea can fix all of life's ailments I'm telling you if you have a broken heart sit with a friend with a cup of tea if you feel cold sit with some tea if you're too hot tea T T T T T T T T T, and you can dance to it as well. <laughs> I love it.
1: And what would you say your top tip is for living well? Something listeners could take away with them and apply in their own lives.
0: Living honestly. So to be honest with your own feelings, therefore never lying and never deceiving yourself or anyone else, there are so many things to do in life. Ain't nobody got time for that. Don't lie. Be honest with everything. That means how you're feeling about something. You may not want to feel that way, but be honest with yourself about it and let it happen. And when you do that, things open up.
1: Yeah. And this is varying off a little bit. I was curious to talk more about Tapping into your mind, you've told me about amazing kind of experiences and things you'd like to do. And I I know bending spoons is something on your list, isn't it? Oh
0: my God. Did I tell you about that? I told you about that, right? Yes. I used to bend spoons when I was a baby and forks and I wouldn't even touch it. I would just look at a fork and I swear to you, the prongs on it would start going in different directions. And I think my parents just thought, oh, I, they probably misused it, you know, like manhandled the fork and made it that way. But I'm like, I would sit there for hours and try to do that.
1: Oh. And just
0: recently I started taking a class and it, it's just so simple. It's really easy to bend spoons and stuff. And it's so funny because I took this class recently online and it was actually a recording of a retreat they had pre-pandemic of these people. It was a retreat in Santa Barbara, California. And it was just sitting like in a normal hotel conference room. And these people did it on the first try. And you see it on camera. And even when you see it on camera, you're like, you want to scream like, ah! they didn't think it would be possible. And you would see the craziest shapes. I'm like, oh my God, I love it. It's legit. So basically it is You look at it and you realize that we're all energy, everything is energy, right? And you look at the spoon and you really focus and you start to imagine it as liquid. And you just see it as liquid flowing and you barely touch it and you really tune into that sensation of fluidity and use your energy and you think bend, 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 it bends easily. That's
1: amazing. I guess the skeptic in me and maybe others would say, well, the videos, it's probably easy to kind of.
0: Sure. But do it yourself. Amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll have another call at some point where we can uh, try that together. <laughs> so much
0: fun. I love it. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> And then go on to bigger things like world peace instead of the bending of the spoon. And But you know what? They're doing this. There are groups that have been doing this for a while now. People come into meditations and they'll make crime go down in a city by just focusing. You know, it's, it's documented. All this stuff, it's real.
1: I suppose it's one of these things where if you haven't grown up in that kind of context, it's hard to have the belief that could be possible as much as you want it to
0: is it still that way in the uk by the way so i would talk like this all the time you know i'm from southern california i'm like yeah you know over here for meditation i'm gonna <laughs> practice astral travel you know and when i moved to england the room would get quiet i was living with an english family and they were introducing me to their friends and relatives right and the room got quiet it was my first day there And so I was taken into another room and my host mom was like, I just want to let you know (laughs) that we can't talk like that. It's against our religion. I'm like, oh my God, so sorry. But first of all, the UK has all kinds of phenomenon going on over there. Like everything is a sacred site. There's some stuff happening. All the drawings in the earth, there's so many ghosts there. I've had so many encounters in the UK But anyway, it turned out that this family that I was living with one night, I had an experience like a ghost and it was wild, not bad, but wild. And I came down the stairs and and I must have had an expression on my face because (laughs) the host mom was like, what happened? I'm like, oh, nothing, nothing. But she must have known something. So she's like, can you please tell me? I'm like, no, I can't tell you. You told me not to talk about it. And she's like, no, please tell me. So I told her what happened. And she's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh no, (laughs) it's back. I'm like, what do you mean it's back? What? (laughs) (laughs) So I told her what happened. And so she said that they moved to this house that we were in to get away from Poltergeist. They had screwed around with a Ouija board and things were never the same. And things got so bad they moved. So she's like, Oh my god, it's back. And because I'm like tuned into stuff, I'm like, no, it's not the same. That's not it. Whatever it is, the dog has been picking up on it too. But it's not, it's pure love. It's not what you think it is. It did not follow you, it's something else. And so anyway, then she was okay. But yeah, like so I'm afraid to talk to English people about spiritual, metaphysical stuff. Because You know, I don't know. (laughs) I think
1: it's fascinating. I think it's just if someone hasn't experienced that in their own life.
0: But like when you're thinking of someone and then they call you or, you know, like what you focus on grows. If you're thinking about a pair, like a pair will show up in your life. You know what I mean? We've done it. We do it all day, every day. We're all connected. It's all energetic. We're all beings of light. And maybe that's what people don't want to talk about because that goes against their religion. But we are all from the same. We're completely connected.
1: And what are you most looking forward to this year?
0: Moving to our true home. We have felt like nomads forever. I want to move and find where we belong and live next door to best friends. Even if it's on major acreage I want friends and I want to have dinner parties every night with loud music and loud conversation and laughter and beautiful food that we all make together or I'll make if no one wants to cook that's fine I love cooking and baking that's what I want that
1: sounds wonderful well I'm sure it will be there and until then you can create your own sort of space here in this virtual world as well
0: Yeah, that's what's happened during the pandemic. I've never made as many friends as I've made this past pandemic from all around the world. And we talk to each other and you're my sister, Alex. It's family coming back together. It definitely
1: is. I know it's amazing. And if it took a pandemic to get us to reach out in that way, I think that's an amazing thing, really. So now we've come to the finale. So I have a few quick fire questions for you to end the show. You ready? Drum roll. Okay. (laughs) Or that quiet space. What do we tap into? (laughs) We tap into the force. What would you call the force? Do you have a a word for it? Love. I like that. That's good. (laughs) So what's your most treasured possession? And of course, no judgment.
0: Crystals and the bicycle that I never get to ride.
1: <laughs> oh, can they be used together at all?
0: Or, <laughs> oh, there's a big basket, I can put the crystals in there too. <laughs> and the seat has a spring for each cheek, it's like a Cadillac of bicycles <laughs> from Santa Monica, but I can't ride it anywhere because it has no gears. <laughs> oh
1: man. And what's your favorite article of clothing or accessory in your current wardrobe? Nothing help oh
0: (laughs) there must be something even small a piece of jewelry is there a crystal you wear oh yeah i have a ton of malas and i made them all myself and some of them are really big like big humongous beads and sometimes i'll wear i'm not joking like 30 on at the same time oh wow no i go for it i don't joke around i mean i joke around but i don't joke around and no matter what, if your spirit is behind it, it doesn't look foolish. That is so true.
1: I think if you believe in it and you have the confidence to go for it, people will
0: sense that. And you'll feel it, which is even more important. I'm sorry, I do have an article of clothing. It's a beanie and it's a mind over matter hat. Put that on to remind myself I can create anything from a thought, from an energy and make it manifest into physical form. So yeah, I'll put that hand on no matter how hot it is. That
1: is a powerful piece of clothing, which is something we all need (laughs) in whatever form. And where do you go to get inspired?
0: It used to be the ocean, so now I just go there in my imagination. The beach, it's like the ultimate mother. It has an ebb and flow and it's powerful, it's beautiful. It can bring destruction and it can bring healing. It's everything. It's a force. So
1: what's one book or resource that you'd recommend for everyone?
0: Our friend KJ just recommended this book to me a couple weeks ago and it showed up a few days ago at my doorstep. Oh, It's called Burnout. It is amazing. I'm still stuck on the introduction. Like that's how profound this book is. Then I'm like, I have to keep putting it down and I keep rereading the intro because I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I thought I was the only one. It talks about emotions and what burnout really is and how to get out of it, how to get out of that burnout. And I think actually that's the key to the fall of friendship, the fall of our relationships in our society. We're all burnt out, there's no capacity. To be outgoing, we're in survival mode.
1: And Fawn, here's a very Kanmari question for you: What would you say that you're grateful
0: for? My family, in our kitchen, in our food, in our spices. <laughs> There's no plastic in our home, and everything is in jars. My kitchen is the place of alchemy and worship. Whatever ails you spiritually, physically, whatever, I'll pull out one of these jars and cook up something that will help you.
1: And finally, what do you love most about life?
0: Oh my god. Well, it's something that I hate and love at the same time. Knowing how precious it is. So it scares me to death that it can disappear and amazing that it is here and anything is possible anything is possible
1: thank you so much fun it's been an immense pleasure having you here chatting about the power of friendship and possibility jazzing up your spirit all of these things thank you so much
0: i love you so much so much my beautiful alexandria Thank you.
1: Sending all the love your
0: way, too. Always, always, my friend. I'm always holding you with an embrace.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with humanitarian focused photographer and social movement founder Fawn Anderson. Check out Fawn and Matt's podcast, Our Friendly World, and reach out on Instagram at BeFriendlyWorld to say hi. Fawn would love to get to know you. So here's some key takeaways from our conversation. Next time you photograph someone, see if you can connect with your subject on a soul level. Take time to really see them instead of, as Fawn says, just picking up on some randomness. And lighting is key. Show care and respect for the people you photograph or film by taking time to properly capture the texture of their skin, whether it's dark or light. And when it comes to friendship, remember everyone is your guest. Treat each person you meet as though they're a guest in your home. Make them comfortable, and I guarantee you'll feel good about it too. That's our show then, thank you so much for listening. I'm Alexandria and this is Also in Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to Also in Pink wherever you get your podcasts. And the absolute best way to show your support is to write a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. This really helps more than anything to promote the show. And of course, tell all your friends. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life.